0: if anyone were to say that women don't get their due in the Torah, they need only to read chapter 34 of the book of Genesis, where we learn what happened to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob and Leah. And it's a doozy. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. Between Jacob's encounter with his estranged brother Esau and the subsequent death of Rachel while giving birth to Benjamin, we have the story of Dina. Dina is Leah's daughter. She has no role in the Jacob story except for this chapter. And even in this chapter, Dina has no voice. We'll explain the surprising silence later. In English, the text reads that, quote, Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob, went out to meet the daughters of the land, unquote. Jacob and his rather large brood had finally arrived in Canaan and settled near the city of Shechem, the modern-day Nablus on the west bank of the Jordan River. Once settled, Dina went out to meet the girls of the town. But the verb uses is I don't expect most of my listeners to know the nuances of this Hebrew verb, but suffice it to say that this is the same verb that is used to describe Jacob's flight from Canaan after stealing Esau's birthright. Commentators in the Jacob story often define this verb as fleeing, not going out. Jacob, the Midrashic commentators say, left without an entourage, no camels, no servants, perhaps no food or water. If we apply the same definition to Dina's going out, it means that Dina went off by herself without male chaperones and without any aid or protection. In the biblical world, women, especially young unmarried women, never left home without a male escort, usually a brother or at minimum a male servant. On a simple level, this was a matter of personal safety. Brigands and others could easily attack an unescorted woman raping, or even killing her. Even today, women are sometimes cautioned not to walk alone on college campuses at night or in high crime areas of a city. We don't need to go any deeper in our analysis. The question then is whether Dina had a good motive for fleeing the family compound. The Torah does say that she wanted to meet the daughters of the land, and we can leave it at that. Perhaps she was fleeing a family situation after all, life could not have been good for her at home, given all the intrigue between Jacob, his wives, and his many children, or perhaps she just was mistaken in going out alone. But what happens next puts that into doubt. Prince Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, took a liking to her and apparently raped her. The text says that he lay with her and violated her. Tradition, tradition says that she was a virgin and therefore this sexual intercourse hurt her. After raping her, Shechem fell in love with her and desired to marry her. Jacob heard of the rape, but kept silent until his sons returned from their fields. Hamor went to speak to Jacob as the brothers arrived from the fields. Obviously, they were upset that Dinah had been violated. Such is not the way of the world. To marry their sister, The brothers demanded that Shechem, Hamor, and all the men of the city of Shechem circumcise themselves, which they did. But on the third day after this mass casualty event, when men are in the most pain, Shimon and Levi, two sons of Jacob, attacked and killed all the men of Shechem. They plundered the city as well, taking flocks, women, and children. By taking the women, the brothers did exactly as Prince Shechem did capture women for their personal pleasure. Jacob was furious with Shimon and Levi. He felt that this barbarism made him look bad in the eyes of the inhabitants of Canaan. The brothers replied, should our sister be treated like a harlot? Jacob was concerned with his reputation. The brothers were concerned with their sister, and they would do anything to restore her honor. Obviously, they could not give back her virginity, but they certainly ensured that Dina would not marry Shechem. This was, to use modern parlance, the paradigmatic revenge murder. As I stated before, Dina, the most important person in this entire story, does not have a voice in this story. She is silent. Everything is told through the eyes of the ostensibly male writer of this chapter. And I wonder what her thoughts were. Well, we will never know. To recap, Dina walks out into the fields unescorted and is raped by Shechem, the son of Chamor. Shechem falls in love with her and asks to marry her. The brothers insist that all the men of the city of Shechem be circumcised. While recovering, Shimon and Levi, sons of Jacob, attack and kill all the men of Shechem and take the women, children, and possessions as bounty. Jacob then fears for his reputation while the brothers defend Dina's honor and thus endeth the story. In this description, Dina is the victim. She is raped, and that is horrible. But there is an alternative tradition that suggests Dina agreed to having sex with Shachem, and afterwards cried rape because she violated cultural norms. To me, though, this is a prime example of, quote, blaming the victim. In that world, women were bound by cultural norms and would not go looking for a hookup. Aside from the obvious death of the inhabitants of Shechem, what might have followed this story? What happened to Dina? The laws of the dowry give us a clue. A dowry is the gift that a bride's father gives to the groom, often negotiated between parents. One condition of the biblical dowry is that the dowry for a virgin is higher than that of a woman who has had sexual intercourse, especially for widows and divorcees but it also applies to never-married women who have had sexual intercourse, even if raped. In other words, and to be blunt, she was worth less than a virgin, no matter the reason. So we have to ask ourselves, did Dina ever marry? Did the allies of Shechem and Chamor attack Jacob and his sons? Were there any economic repercussions to this mass murder? We just don't know. In fact, the Torah never mentions Dina again. She is not named when her father and brothers descend to Egypt in the time of Joseph. Jacob does not bless her before he dies. Nothing. Nada. The Torah writes Dina out of its story. There could be many reasons for this, but the simplest is that because of her rape, she was ostracized. Even though Shimon and Levi avenged her rape, her status was never restored. She might have died and then died alone. In fact, the Torah never says when or where she died, or if she eventually married and had children. But in the Torah, lineage flowed through the man, not the woman. And since she did not have any Hebrew suitors in Canaan, perhaps that prevented her from marrying, or perhaps she returned to her uncle Laban's home and found a suitable husband there. I have no idea, but perhaps, just perhaps. Dina did marry a Canaanite man, which means that her children, if any, would be considered Canaanite. This might explain why she is never mentioned again. So for us, by remembering Dina today, we honor her life, a life of shame, a life of silence, ultimately a life of mystery. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. Please go to www.torforchristians.net to access previous podcasts and transcripts. Next week, we will look at the incredible story of Judah and Tamar, an interesting diversion in the Joseph novella. And after that, we'll travel to Egypt to discuss Potiphar's wife. I wish you a wonderful week. And as always, we say, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is, for us to dwell together in unity. Lehi Torah out till we meet again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Para, and this is Torah for Christians.